0: You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production.
1: Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about another disability podcast that I think you'll love. The disability community is not a monolith. Within the community, there's people of different views, beliefs, and identities. And each individual person with a disability has a story to tell. And that's why we're here. Our podcast, You First by Disability Rights Florida, features first-hand interviews with disabled guests, scholars, and advocates covering a wide variety of disability-related issues. We have episodes on voting access, mental health, ableism in academia, disability and reproductive justice, disabled art, accessible video gaming, and much more. Our goal? To have you take away a new perspective on disability and bring awareness and insight to the world around you. You can listen to our latest episodes wherever you're listening now or visit us at disabilityrightsflorida.org forward slash podcast to learn more and find transcripts of all of our episodes. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clona Willy and Clona Pussy are do-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at ClonaWilly.com right now and use the promo code DarkPod at checkout, you can get 20% off site wide. Wow, that's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone-a-willie or clone-a-pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning-a-willie or cloning-a-pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone-a-willie or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability
0: stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza.
1: Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast Shining a bright Light on Disability Stories. I'm, of course, your deliciously disabled daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and get today started, shall we? First things first, I want to thank some people who have pledged their hard-earned dollars to keep the bright light shining on this beautiful show we do together. And the first person that I want to give a shout-out to um for pledging 1 a month is my friend T who just goes by T they're really awesome and um the the pun i have for you T is that you your tea is piping hot yeah thank you so much for your pledge and for your pledge you get the show one day early and completely ad free thank you thank you remember that if you want to support this completely completely independent show that I make from my bedroom, you can do so by going to patreon.com disabilityafterdark and pledging as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month or more if that works for your budget. And there's even a yearly amount if that works for you and you can, you can decide what works best for you. But no matter what, I appreciate your support. And if you're not able to support us financially, you can also leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Alright friends, let's jump into this new episode. Can't wait to tell you all about it. On the episode today, I sit down with my friend and someone that I've been following and who's been in my orbit for a while now, my friend Jay Baldwin, who, who describes themselves as a triple threat because they are black, queer, and disabled. And we had so much we could talk about. We both starred in a Canadian TV series that came out this past summer on a Canadian network. So, for those of you in the U.S., I don't know where it's streaming or if it is at all. But it's called One Queen, Five Queers. So, we we both were featured in the second season, and we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about Jay's activism as a queer, black, disabled person and what that means for them. They also started an amazing Facebook group called Disabled, Queer, and Fabulous. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. And, Jay, if I got that wrong, I'm so sorry. Um... Actually, you know what? Let me just double-check what that Facebook Facebook group is called. Hang on one second. So the name of that group is Disabled Queer and Fabulous, and it connects disabled queer fabulous folks from all over the world together, and Jay is the one that spearheaded that. And they it was just such a refreshing moment to sit down and chat with them for an hour and talk about their experiences living with cerebral palsy, being black, being queer, being disabled, and learning from them how all those intersections go together for them. And it was such a refreshing conversation, one that I was so glad to have. It was fun, it was sexy, it was cool, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. So without further ado, get ready to sit down with Triple Threat, my friend, disabled, queer, and fabulous themselves, Jay Baldwin, right here on Disability After Dark. Jay Baldwin, hello. Hello. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you and yourself.
1: I am so much better for seeing you. How, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on the show. We've been in each other's orbits for, we planned the original recording like a year ago and I'm glad we're finally doing it. Um, yeah,
0: better late than never.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, and we were talking just before you we hit record, that you're actually in my alma mater right now. You're a Carlton U student back where I used to go to school some 20 years ago now. Wow, that building like you build feel super old.
0: Yeah, but you're not super old. You're young and cool, and that's
1: why we're best friends now and get along so well. Oh, well, well thank you, because I certainly don't feel young or cool, but I appreciate that. Um you- so, you are. so I remember twenty years ago when I was at Carleton Attendance Services and the joy of of that. Um, what is it? Tell me a little bit from somebody who's there now. How has it changed from when when I was a student? For anyone who's listening who doesn't know what Attendance Services is, Carleton, you, you at the time when I went there was the only school in the country of Canada that offered attendant care on top of your study. So if you lived in residence, you could get 24-hour attendant care, um, which was like unheard of at the time. It's changed a bit now, but 20 years ago, it was the only one. So everybody went there. And so Jay is using that program still.
0: Yeah, it still is 24-hour care, which is lovely. Um, A lot of The attendants are also students, which is important for me to, like, see myself in the program, I guess. And I've gained a lot of friends because of it. And it's just, I really am grateful for it. And yes, as it still stands, it is the only university in Canada that does 24 hour care like York sure, does it too, but it's not 24 hours, it's just with merch of dimes, like they come in for your care and then leave. That's yeah. the good thing about attendance services is if you need them, you just call. I mean, for me and being a young and cool activist, mm-hmm. I have had to change some things and develop new ways for management to look at us. And to see us, and right now I'm implementing a training program with one of the social work practicum students here, and we are trying to implement the disability, and where they attended. And clients that happen yearly. So we basically use that as a way to talk about the deep stuff about disability and sexual autonomy and how disabled people are humans too, and we have desires and things we want to. in life, and we're not just young kids that you have to
1: babysit. You know? Yeah. And just as you said that, I, I think you said your your mic cut out just a little bit there. Just you said that you said you're you're starting a program for sexuality and disability with the attendants.
0: Yeah, for sex, sexuality and disability with an emphasis on sexual autonomy, because that wasn't really included so much from a disabled person in the program. Like, it's always been led by our non-disabled management. And during that program, when I went to the seminar in the fall I was the one answering all the questions pretty much and challenging things and making the management think so the management is now letting me revamp it which is really kind of cool and I'm honored
1: Cool. Well, if you need, I mean, I think that's so important and so necessary, especially at Carleton, because I remember when I went there trying to be queer and disabled to be like, yeah, I uh, sleep with dudes. This is what I do. Like, yeah, it was a it was a big learning curve for a lot of people there. Um, If you need a cool disabled alumni to like guide you in that or help you at some points, let me know because I can be like, I know the people there. I can just pop on and be like, you remember me? Yeah, I'm still doing it. Hi, it's my job now. I love
0: that. We're going to have to talk about it.
1: Yeah, and I hope they're paying you because they
0: should be. They're, they're not currently working. What? Come
1: on! They're not
0: disabled people for their work.
1: and mm-hmm, it. Right.
0: We deserve compensation.
1: Well, let me, let me, uh, if you want to talk about how I can find a way to get you some, some dollars from, from my dear alma mater, I, uh, I would be more than happy to, to help you get some money from them. Thank you so much. We money. But you and I could sit and gab for another hour just about all that stuff. But let's jump into a little bit about you, are because for, so for anybody who's listening who doesn't know who Jay the Disabled Babe is, uh, jay baldwin is can you introduce yourself a little bit tell us a little bit about who you are what you do
0: i am jay baldwin i use they them pronouns i am 23 years old currently in ottawa university i'm in my third year women and gender studies bachelor of honors degree with a minor in human rights, and I have been an activist in the community since I was about 16 years old, and I started speaking up for people like me and those with similar experiences. I identify as a triple threat because I'm (laughs) Black, queer and disabled um and i always keep people guessing and society doesn't know what to do with me because i don't fit into any of their boxes and i like it that way
1: well good for you fuck the boxes it's done. yeah you don't need to be strong. in the box um I I have been following you. I saw the I mean I knew about you beforehand because we follow each other online, but I saw was it last year or a couple of years ago you were featured in the Toronto Star, your cool website. Um Disabled, Queer and Fabulous, yes? Did I get that right? Yeah.
0: It's uh, my Facebook group, my baby, my whole life. Yeah.
1: Um, I saw you in the star. And it's so funny when my mom saw you in the star and went, oh, someone's someone is stealing your your vibes. And I was like, No, no, it's so cool. I love what they're doing. Let's let them do it. It's great. I saw you in the star and I just smiled because I was like, I'm so happy that someone else is getting is doing the same thing and is getting recognition and is trying to like do it and make it seen in the world. And so I was so proud to see that in the star. Another cool thing we did together, not on the same day, but we did we were featured in the latest episode of um, a Canadian original series called One Queen, Five Queers. And when I went to go do my taping day last June, I was like, oh, are there any other disabled people on the show? Because usually they don't, you know, usually they only have one of us. So I was like, oh, is there anyone else? And they went, oh, do you know Jay Baldwin?" And I went, yes, I do. That's amazing. So I was very happy to, that you did all that and so let's let's start with that what was that experience like for you being on a tv show about talking about queerness and disability
0: it was totally totally um crazy and like the best way possible because i always say this and i truly truly mean it if younger Jay could see me now they lose their shit over all the things I've been able to do despite all the obstacles I faced. So it was beautiful to have that opportunity to come together with other queer folks of intersectional identities and like be one like, we don't really get a lot of chances to just be together and talk with one another and share our stories. So that was one of the most meaningful moments to me in my life by far. And I love Brooklyn Heights from RuPaul's Drag Race. She's a boss. We love was- Mama.
1: She was so cool. And I remember when I did my shoot with her, with them and I, you know, there was a part in the episode where they had to draw something and she said, Oh, I'll draw for him. Cause I couldn't draw. And she said, Oh, I'll do it. He'll just describe to me what he wants. And so she did it for me. And I remember sitting beside her being like, this is so cool. Like I've done TV stuff. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't gobsmacked, but I was like, this is really cool. And so it's such an honor to be in the room with all these people and to be, you know, when we did our filming days, I'm sure for you too, we were the only two wheelchair users in like separately in our room, respectively in our taping days on the day. So really we were the only person in the room using a power chair. And I just feel like, you know, like I could sit and then look at all the negatives of that and how like there should be more people like us in the room. But also I think there's a real power in, when I did it, I felt so powerful. Of like, oh, I'm the only one here. That's a big. That's a big deal, and I should be proud about that.
0: Yeah, I definitely felt that way too. And like, my mom came with me. So she, did mine. She was like caregiver. So did my yeah, mine, too. Yeah, and she was just so nervous at first because she grown so much. I love my mom. But it took her a while to get used to the gender identity and the pronouns and stuff and just being around other queer folks. But once she was there, it was like she'd been friends with everybody forever. Like, if you think I'm outgoing, Cool and fun. You should see my mom. She's the life of the party, and that's where I get it from. Hello.
1: Yeah, so is mine. So is mine. One hundred and ten percent the life of the party. Um, I just did a, I did a, I did a party in London. I was honored to, as part of Attitudes, one hundred and one like queer trailblazers of twenty twenty three or whatever. And I took my mom with me as my caregiver. And I have she was everybody was like. Wow, she's so cool. She's so like out there. I love your like she's. And when I told people she was my mom, they were like, "Oh, I thought she was like your sister or your cool like friend." And I was like, no, no, she's my cool. Friend.
0: That's what everybody thinks about my mom because we do like, sort of kind of like in a lot yeah. of ways. So people always think like. Sisters or whatever, and she loves it. She's
1: so oh, I cute. That. I love her so. Shout out to your mom. Oh, shout out to all the cool moms that help their disabled kids do things. They're awesome. Um, uh, hey, what, was yeah. I, what was I going to ask you? There was something I was going to ask you. Oh yeah. So what was it? What you know? Now that you've now that you're a media star, a media darling, being on One Queen Five Queers. Uh, As a disabled person, what kind of media uh, as a queer um, disabled person? I mean, I talk about this all the time, the kind of media that I want to see. What kind of media do you want to see and do you want to be a part of?
0: Queer disabled babes who have intersectional identities and want to take over the world and challenge people's perspectives in the best way. So we all feel like we finally have a place in the world. That's what I want to see. Because disabled, neurodivergent, chronically ill, and mentally ill queers deserve a place in the world, just as much as every other queer person does. So it's about time we see that intersectionality start to form and being in the media like this is my representation because i didn't have this growing up and now i can be that person for younger disabled queer kids and it just means the world to me
1: that's awesome uh but and I'm so glad you want to be that person. And I will, I will sit right beside you. Like, yep, let's go, let's do it together. Um, um, what? But like, if you like, we 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 had the Queer as Folk reboot, which I was got to be a part of. Cool, not to like, not to be. ooh, look at me, how cool I am! But I got to be a part of that. But what other kind of media did did you would you want to see? Like, what other kind of shows around queerness and disability do you think we're missing?
0: Um. A lot of like I'd really like to see a drag show with queer disabled people, and like right
1: I've been talking a... about this, I've been talking about this forever, I want it so badly, Brooklyn Heights, if you're listening, I don't know why you would, but if for, if if for whatever reason you listen to this episode, um can you, Brooklyn can you and I are
0: besties.
1: So no, I'll make your sure Brooklyn listen. Yeah, just pop. You know, pop us a DM. I I think it would be so fun. Um. All right. Well, if you if you wanted to have like a queer disabled drag show, I'm here for that. What? But so, what's your drag name? I don't know
0: yet. I mean, who knows? I'm I'll have just... to. We'll
1: have to come up with something for you.
0: Yes, we definitely will. And even for people who are physically disabled, um, it would be nice to have our caregivers with us so we can direct the care of, like, how we want to look and what we want to wear and all of that stuff so That our caregivers are included in that world with us because our caregivers are so important, and I think it'll make it really meaningful. Like you know, in RuPaul's Drag Race, where they do the they dress you up as your friend. Like I want to do that with my mom as my (laughs) caregiver and. Dude, dress her
1: up like me. Also, I mean, my mom as my caregiver, as a, as a, doing my drag makeup would be, like, it would be so fun. I wanted to have it so badly. Seriously, Brooklyn Heights, when, when Jay forces you to listen to this, uh, consider, consider, consider us for, for an episode or something. that be, you know what I want though? What I've been talking about Drag Race, and I wasn't going to go down here, but here we are. What when, when I've been thinking about Drag Race, I want to be, on the fucking pick crew i want to have a hot disabled i want to be a hot disabled pick crew person and so a couple weeks ago on my social media i took a bunch of like old photos of me and i was like here's my application for being on like pick crew i'm hot right so wouldn't it be cool if they introduced the pick crew and instead of like your typical able-bodied muscle boys which are great and i love them and by all means like great but like wouldn't it be awesome if like one of them happened to be in a wheelchair
0: I'd literally get my jaw would be on the floor. I would not, I would not be able to function after that. So lovely and needed. And oh my goodness, you'd be perfect for it. So
1: uh, this is what I'm saying. Can, some, uh, can somebody put me on the pit group, please? Please hire or them please or hire or... my hot disabled
0: cool queer friend yes.
1: please yes um Jay, did I lose you
0: no I'm here
1: oh no I just couldn't hear you anymore. I was like oh no I'll do the thing Sometimes Zoom is the worst. Um, But okay, we're back. Don't worry. What happened It's me figuring out what to do with the sound. Uh, And I have no editor, so you're going to listen to that because that's what happened. Uh, um, What was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah. So we both use they, them pronouns. I use they, he, you use they, them. And for me, my they, them pronouns have... A connection to disability because it means that I don't have to be confined to any idea of what masculinity is supposed to be because I'm disabled I can't meet the same standard of like queer masculinity that I'm expected to by my peer group unfortunately so for me they them is like a big fuck you to that whole that whole thing I'm curious does your does your identity as they them have any connection to your disability at all?
0: It definitely does because I feel like my identities are all interconnected and they them for me means I can, um, go against society's boxes of what I should be. So like you said, it's a big fuck you because I don't conform to anything. I don't identify as a man or a woman. I'm just Jay and people need to understand that Jay is a powerhouse and Jay will always challenge the norms of what things are supposed to look like because I need to be that for my younger self who tried so hard to conform to being a woman and being of service to other people when I now realize that it's important to be of service to yourself too and take that time for yourself because I am an empath And I feel people's feelings, so I often get consumed by that. And when I was seen as a woman, it was even worse because they were like, oh, she's just emotional. She's just this. And it was like, no, this is just who I am. I feel things. And that's okay, so... It allows me as a non-binary person to not be labeled as the just emotional person.
1: As the emotional woman that people want to butt. it as.
0: I am a soft little Pisces baby. (laughs) I feel people's feelings. I am a non-binary being who's Soft and squishy
1: and just wants hugs and that's okay. I love it. I, I'm I'm totally here for the soft and squishy. Although I, I do like, although I do like some things hard in my life. I'm also totally there yeah. for the soft and squishy. Um, yeah.
0: Uh,
1: one of the things that we talked about a bit earlier, but I want to get back to because I think it's important. Tell me more about how your Facebook group started and why you wanted to start it. Go into the the deep story about that.
0: I started it because I was coming off a mental breakdown in August of 2020, and I really needed a community for myself that was accessible to me. And accessible to others and could create connection without us having to feel bad or guilty or whatever for living our disabled existences and having to spend our time so wisely because a lot of us don't have the spoons and especially in the pandemic we can't have a lot of personal connection as easily. So this was a way for me to bring people together and bring people from similar walks of life who had similar experiences, but also to let it be known that we were all different. So in October 19th of twenty. I just called up my best friend and said, hey, I'm going to do this. And they were like, okay, cool. I'll totally support that. And I did it. And it's grown ever since. And we have close, we have about 930 members all over the world right now.
1: Wow, and, that's so cool.
0: Yeah. And it is my baby. I've delegated, like, an admin moderator team that is absolutely lovely, might I add. I love them all. They all do great work. This group wouldn't run without them, and I'm eternally grateful for each one of them, and they are also all In the group, and all disabled and queer, and we all have that representation that our younger versions of ourselves did not. So it's a really beautiful thing to know that I've created something that is making an impact.
1: That's so awesome. And so, if anybody wants to join who's listening right now, where should they go?
0: Disabled, Queer, and Fabulous, it's on Facebook, all are welcome, including those who support us, who don't identify as being disabled or queer, as long as you're not an asshole, (laughs) it's all good, all come, we love our community, so come join.
1: Amazing. Uh, one of the things you mentioned in the questionnaire that I'm really eager to talk to you about is the stigma around sex and disability. So, if we could go there uh, with you, I'd love to ask you kind of like what your experiences trying to be a sexual being with disabilities and with CP has been like for you.
0: Yeah. It's been a wild ride full of a lot of bumps in the world because. Society doesn't see me as a desirable person, so I actually just had some icky stuff where this woman on a dating app asked me if everything works down there, and this is the kind of stuff we as disabled people get All the time where people... Way
1: too... Yeah, way too often.
0: Way too often. Where it's like, first of all, that's none of your business. Second of all, yes, it works, but why the fuck do you ask that? Like, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. I'm a human. You don't ask other people on the street that, so why do you feel like it's okay to ask me? And she was like, oh, my dumbass just thought you being disabled that you were also disabled down there. And I'm like, even paralyzed people experience pleasure. Yeah,
1: even if my genitals didn't work the way you expected them to, I'm still entitled to... I'm not entitled to anyone's body, but I'm entitled to my own pleasure. I'm entitled to to feel things I deserve to have pleasure. And even if it didn't work the way you expected it to, my body's still desirable, period.
0: Yeah, and I'm really tired of it. So I actually just recently deleted all dating apps because it just wasn't. A comfy scene. I wasn't getting any good matches. That weren't like straight men trying to hit on me, and I'm like, eh, I don't. <laughs> I don't... straight men, if you're listening to this, I love you as a person. But <laughs> if you're not. The fact that I'm also non-binary and you're trying to treat me like a woman and say I'm your woman, I don't want that. I want you to see me for me, and just because you're dating me, that doesn't make you gay. That just means you're in a queer relationship. There's a difference.
1: Yeah, period, period period exclamation point whatever other whatever other things we can put there all of those things are created. right I love how you said that and thank you for for clarifying that for all my straight bros out there who don't understand these things they are still learning these things Jay said all the things and you should listen to what they said um uh yeah no dating apps for me have been a shit show I I have been privileged enough to be able to hire sex workers when I need a release um, and to get that but I I fully agree with you like it's fucking tiring and I don't want to do it anymore and I'd rather be alone and happy than deal with all this crap
0: yeah and I honestly do believe that I'm gonna find my person because it's all about the energy you attract and I know that I attract good energy. I know that I'm a good person. I know that I'm valuable. I know that I'm hot. I know that I'm sexy. I know I would be an amazing partner because I just love people so hard, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship. I just care a lot. So I know when I meet people and start like fully dating again and having a relationship that it's gonna be really good because I know how to give love and receive love and spread love to everybody to make the world a better place. So that's not my problem. My problem is the way society perceived me without me having even said anything for myself about who I am
1: yeah that's right and I totally agree with you and I love how articulate you are about all those feelings and how like passionately the feelings just flow out of you it's pretty awesome um one of the things you mentioned on the forum that I want to ask you about because I thought it was really I thought it was like oh that's fun you said you had unpopular opinions about things so I'm curious to know like, what your unpopular opinions are and what are we talking about?
0: I like to say that my first unpopular opinion since we're here is that disabled people are hot. We're desirable. We deserve love. We deserve kindness. We deserve for you to see us. And be like, that person sexy and their mobility aid is an added bonus for sexual pleasure. Because, bro, I have a pretty sweet ride that I've spent so much time and money curating. no, I tilt back and you sit on my face. Like,
1: come on! <laughs> all the things, all the stats. I agree with that so much. So, um, well, in this little corner of the world, disabled people are hot. Is not an unpopular opinion. It's the opinion that we're going to go with. Um,
0: yeah, it's the opinion. Here, but it's unpopular to the rest of the world, so I just have to mention it wherever I can,
1: of course, like, as, you, as you should.
0: I don't have tilt and recline for no reason, oh. and I don't have a ceiling lift for no reason. <laughs> like, that's what it's there for. What I've, else is it there for?
1: I filmed the porn in my ceiling lift and I, well, I didn't do anything too sexy in the ceiling They just transferred me to bed. But like we, during the, during the porn, the other actor and I, my friend John used my ceiling lift to lift himself up. So we could, we could like film some sexy shit that way. So yeah. it's cool. That, so see, these things are sexual aids too. And we should all be, yeah aware of that. Um, okay, so any other popular opinions that you want to I want to remind
0: you of I want to remind people of their privilege if you're white and disabled and you're meeting with someone who's black and disabled do not stay to a Black and disabled person that you fully understand the things that they're going through with their identity and the way society perceives them if because you are not Black and disabled so you don't get it to the full extent and just because you're disabled does not mean you don't still have privilege over another intersecting minority group and I'm really tired of people just assuming that because they're disabled they understand what it's like to be me. Like I've been called some really icky things by society that white disabled people will never understand and black disabled people get lesser treatment than those that are white and disabled and people of color who are disabled in general. So if you're white and disabled, allow people of color to have that platform to speak on their issues and don't talk over us, please.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that that for me, I'll be quite honest, that for me has been a learning curve and something that I had to have kind of knocked in my head a little bit and be reminded of because we, we all, in some cases, whether we intend to or not, we have blinders on and that's when you need them taken off and you need to be shown and given the tools to not be a, a fucking racist asshole. And so... You need to accept the tools and accept the learning and do that. And I think anti-racism in the disability community is something we constantly have to work through continuously. And it's something that we that when we look at disability, equity, and inclusion, we tend to forget that white, disabled people have a lot of privilege. And I have a ton of, a fuck ton of privilege that I'm constantly having to be reminded of. And so I, I, I'm thankful for the reminders. Um, You know, sometimes it can be hard on the internet because the reminders can come in like a a spicy comment that's like, wow, I wish we could have sat down and talked about this. But like, you know, it's nice to be reminded that sometimes you have to sit down and take several seats and shut up. It's okay.
0: And I will always politely remind everyone the other two unpopular opinions that I just want to mention is that. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Y'all
1: can come for me. Uh- okay. Yeah, I know, I'm gonna come for you. Wow. Does it I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not sure how I don't I, well no, to be fair, I've had pineapple I've had like frozen pizza before with pineapple on it. It was pretty good. Alright. I can give you that one. Yeah.
0: I love the sweet and salty combination.
1: I feel like there's a dirty joke in there. I feel like there's a dirty. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure you do like the sweet, sexy combination.
0: And also, disabled people deserve to take up space wherever they are. So that's my last. Unpopular opinion. I know some of these are popular in here, but not to the rest of the world. So I just wanted to highlight those and make sure y'all know what's good.
1: Well, damn right. One of the things I know you wanted to talk about today too—that I think we should always talk about—and as you're listening to this, it's—it's it's hopefully made. If I remember to put it out in time, if it's not made hopefully June. Um, (laughs) Andrew, put this out. Uh, But one of the things you want to talk about was making Pride accessible. I think Pride has a lot of work to do to be accessible. Um, I think Pride's around the world do, they do the bare minimum to make places accessible. Um, They've, you know, they've hired, I've had Pride organizations hire me occasionally to do talks and that's very nice. But then, We never see the fruits of that labor, and we never see things moving forward. How do you think we can make pride festivals more accessible?
0: Well, first of all, well, we we are fruity, so we need to see the fruits of that labor right now. Like it kind (laughs) of contradicts itself if we don't. Am I right? And secondly, um. We really need to emphasize on accessibility for everyone, meaning the spaces that you hold Pride events need to be in open spaces where there's not always a shit ton of people walking right in front of you to see things. And I believe we should also have a separate festival for Disability Pride Month, because yes. I do believe that Disability Pride Month, which is in July, is very important because that's when the ADA was passed. And I really don't think um we highlight that enough. And I know June is Pride Month, but Disability Pride... Event should also be included in Pride Month event yeah. in accessible spaces that we can access. They should have quieter spaces so that people with sensory overload can access those during the festival. They should make sure that um people are able to like bring their caregivers into spaces without any problems. They should also have um, like five events where we can attend drag shows in accessible spaces because I know I've wanted to attend drag shows, but they're usually pretty crowded and I usually can't go by myself, which limits my amount of independence that I have. When I can't access fight events from my community on my own, I just find that really upsetting because disabled people And also be queer, and we are also queer, and we are also a part of that community. So allow us the space to make sure we can access those events.
1: Damn right. Hire and pay disabled people to run Pride for you, bitches. We're here. Yeah. You can do do it, but Jay and I could run a committee. Hire us. We're right here. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. hi, we'll do it for you. Hi, hi, hi. Um, <laughs> I would love to run a pride event with you. We should talk about that off the air because we that would be so fun. We should figure it out. I don't know.
0: Yes, and we should do it in disability pride month and also like invite disabled queers to come and we should have a drag show and like celebrate that together. Or, or <laughs>
1: you know, I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking, we. I mean, I, I threw a sex party for people like eight years ago. What if we brought that back? I don't know. I don't know. We should do that again. Fuck yes. I. I mean, I haven't, I haven't done it in ten. I haven't done it like eight years. But I would be done. like, if somebody wants to this time, if somebody wants to pay us to do it, because I didn't get, I got nothing the last time I did it. If somebody wants to put some money down for us to be your consultants and help us run the shit. I'll do it again.
0: Because I'm hot, disabled, and sex is important. Sex is great. We deserve access to. Pleasure. And I'm tired of like people doing the performative shit. Like, if you want to have sex with disabled people simply because we are hot and desirable, do it. Have sex with disabled people. (laughs) We are a great time. We know how to. Please, you—we are good men. Just have sex
1: with us. Try it out. Amazing, amazing. Um, you heard what Jay said before. If you want me, sit on my face. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Um, I have so many things I could—I want to talk to you about. One of the things you said that I think is important that we talk about is. You said you want to talk about, you know, the five things you see in your future. And I think talking about disabled people's futures is so important because society doesn't think we have a future. And so I think putting a name to that and putting our thoughts to that is important. Tell me about your thoughts on your disabled future.
0: I want to see disabled people hold space everywhere they can. In my future, I want to see more jobs for disabled people, more opportunities for us to be seen in the media. All of that good stuff. More opportunities for us to talk
1: about our experiences. More opportunities for us to be on, like, city fucking council and, like, you know, decide things for community members.
0: And be powerful and own that power. Those opportunities for sure. I will be publishing a book in the next, let's say, five years about my life experience is and how I've come and what made me become the strong disabled black queer person I am and to own those identities and I also want to create a physical space for disabled people to be able to come and live and because disabled queer people specifically. It's going to be a safe space for disabled queer people to come and live in. I want it to be like an accessible apartment complex where we have uh doctors close by, we have physiotherapists close by, we have people to provide us nutrition, we can have older queer Caregivers be our attendants so, so that you we don't want, have like,
1: to come out. You kind of want like a cool version of like Blorvieu McMillan, but for adults. But it's queer, also that. Yeah,
0: yeah, ish, and tuition based. I literally want apartments where they can have subsidized apartments for disabled people who are queer, who are escaping bad situations, who need a place to stay, who need to, like, find themselves again after facing their trauma and what have you, because a lot there's not enough accessible shelters for disabled queer people and disabled people in general who have certain needs can't access regular shelters because they're not accessible. So we either end up in a hospital or people will end up on the street. So yeah. I want to eliminate that as much as possible and make it, like, an apartment complex that's safe, that's safe for us where I can hold, like, group programs to get people to get to know each other and it'll be just, like, a big group of people who want to just be themselves and be free and I know it seems like a utopia but it's not because I truly believe that with the work from my Facebook group that's already happening I can make this physical space happen
1: and you kind of have a template in where you're living right now to make that space happen you have examples of like, look, this can work. We just have to make it a little bit more queer, make it a little bit more open, yeah. make it a little bit yeah. more less ableist because I love Carlton. I love the Densers program there. They're great, but they have some work to do. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, they do.
0: Um, I, I love them all too. And I want to make it safe. So not like a hospital. I literally want it to be a place where people can call home, especially with, like, I want there to be, like, sensory rooms and access to different resources in the area. And I want disabled queer people to feel like they have a space and can hold space in it. And I see it happening.
1: I would love to help you with that in whatever way I can because I think what you're suggesting and offering and wanting to do is so necessary. And I'm an old person now, but you're young and you have you have the time and energy and like push for that. So I'm so excited that you want to bring that forward because the things you're saying are so necessary and so often overlooked and underserved. And I think for somebody so young with so many disabilities to bring that forward and say I want to do this is it it gives me hope for the next generation of disabled queers out there trying to do shit.
0: Yeah. It
1: definitely does. Uh I'm just gonna think so so I think we've run out of most of our topic areas. Is there anything that you wanted to mention that we haven't yet? No, but I just wanted to say that thank you
0: for having me on this lovely podcast. Thank you for listening to me talk a whole lot. Thank you for holding space for me. It's been an honor.
1: Oh, it's an honor talking to you. I mean, we've been in each other's orbits for a while now, and I'm so pleased that people got to hear you and to hear Jay the Disabled Babe tell their story. And I just love you,
0: Andrew. Let's be real. I genuinely love and care for you so much. And I'm so glad we've become powerhouses and best friends because of the work we do.
1: I think it's great. I think we need more people doing the work we do. So we can have a whole team of queer, but queer, disabled best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you gave me a list of all the places people can find you you don't have to listen here because there was a lot. I'm going to put them in the show notes so people can find you. So to, after you listen to this episode folks, follow the show notes, but the main place you can find Jay is where?
0: I'd say my Facebook group, my Instagram. What have you and TikTok? I have a big TikTok following. Well, I post a lot of my advocacy stuff and the things I do. So, if you want to know all the tea and stay up to date, go to
1: TikTok. TikTok. I hope that by the time by the time this airs, we still have a TikTok because I hear things are wobbly over there right now. But um, you're yeah, I know. I see your advocacy on the TikTok, and I see the work you do there, and I'll make sure that everyone should just follow you and follow all the stuff you're doing because I think that the stuff you're putting out there and also I love that you're the way you do activism is so positive and so bright and you call it like whenever I see you do a take it out or your video you're like hey bestie here's just some thoughts on this like I love how how open you are and how like joyful you are and I think one of the things I like about your work is that you bring you really embody disability joy in a way that I don't think people realize and people need to see more of that. So I I just, I'm thankful for you.
0: Thank you. I'm thankful for you too. And a lot of my secret to my disabled joy is hidden in this million dollar smile. Wow.
1: Wow. Well, if anybody wants to um, uncover the secrets of Jay's hidden hidden smile, universe, uh just be kind and realize that there you there wheelchair is a sex toy. Um (laughs) um, uh, and and as they said shut up and sit in their face. Uh yeah and so on that sexy note this has been an interview with and let's try again. I'm old and I I'm old. This has been an interview with Jay the disabled babe of disabled queer and fabulous fame. Uh DQF for short that's what I'm calling it Um Jay the disabled babe Jay Baldwin thank you so much for being here always a pleasure to talk to you and I'm excited to find ways that we can work together
0: yes me too take care everyone
1: you too Jay talk to you soon bye bye All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast Shining a Bright Light on Disability Stories. I'm, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here and shining a light on these stories with me. Thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can go to www.andrewgerza.com anytime. All my links are there. If you want to support the show in any way, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and that will give you access to the show one day early, completely ad-free, for as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more if that works for your budget. Also, there are yearly amounts available there, so if you wanted to do that, that would be great. If you're able to, I would appreciate it. If you want to be a guest on the show, please email me directly at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com or andrew at I would love to have you and shine a light on your story. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes and supporting disability content by listening to Disability After Dark. And we will see you for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye! Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co-Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023.